Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. Everything we do comes out of something deep within. It rules our thoughts, our actions, and every feeling. What if we could be more aware of why we are the way we are? What if we could understand why we respond the way we do? What if we could change all of that? Join us for this week's message in our series on The Heart. All right, everybody, good morning. Welcome to Grace Life. How are you guys doing? It's good to see you guys. Happy New Year. Yeah. Who's excited about a week of prayer and fasting coming up soon? If you're new to Grace Life, this is something we do to start off every year. You know, lately it's kind of gotten out of style to talk about having a better year. I think people just like to say we all fell at our resolutions and everything, and, and it's just not cool anymore to say we can, we can have a good year. But you know what? We can have a good year. Come on, is anybody with me? We can have a better year. Uh, and, and it comes first from what God does in our lives. And one thing that's really exciting to me is watch you guys get excited about the week of prayer and fasting, whereas Nicole just said, it's not about what we're giving up, it's about what we're after. It's about what God is going to do. I had people email me over the holidays asking, when is the week of prayer and fasting? Because they wanted to make sure they had rearranged their work schedules to be able to be at that. That's amazing. That's when people have seen God move in their lives and do this. So if you're new to Grace Life and you're wondering, what is this all about? Well, it is about trying to start our year off right, put things that matter first and say, God, we need more of you. You're the one that is going to change our lives. You're the one that's going to change our year. You're the only one. Uh, as Kent said earlier, they can make the giants fall. So we're going to bring those giants to you at the beginning of the year. So if you are new to Grace Life, if this idea at all is new to you, check out our, either our website or the app. I uh, got lots of information there about what's coming up starting on Monday the 22nd. So, hey, guess what? Got something else good that's going to happen this year. Who wants to take a guess what it is? Building. We will not finish the year in this building. Come on, let's cheer for that. Woo! I say that in faith because, you know, you're never supposed to, like, promise what tomorrow holds. But, hey, I mean, good. Yeah, good things are happening. So, look, there's a lot going on inside that building. If you drive by and you think, man, it doesn't seem like things are changing. It's just that part of construction where they're doing a lot of stuff that's really important, like wires. Electricity's good, right? Pipes, because plumbing is really good, and steel welding, and all kinds of concrete and other stuff. So they're doing a lot of stuff. No, it doesn't look like much yet. So uh, for those of you that are giving to the building fund right now, for those of you that would say, what, why would we do that? Let me keep uh, in front of us where we are going for the next six months. Over the next six months, the first thing that we need to do is pay two mortgage payments. That's a pretty big deal. We've got to continue to be here every Sunday as well as pay for that place that we'll be with uh, in, by the end of the summer. The second thing is that we uh, met with our AVL people back last year, and they said, well, what you budgeted and what you want aren't quite the same thing. If you want that quality, we're going to have to increase that a little bit. And then, as you know, we own the adjacent lot. We would love to clear all those trees, level that, bring the dirt down so that then you can see the building that's more visible. Uh, all of that together is going to give us a need somewhere in the next six months of, of over $400,000. And, of course, individually, that's a scary amount. That would freak me out, right, if somebody gave me that bill. But to Together, it's not. Keep in mind that we did about a million dollars last year together just toward the building fund in addition to a million dollars in giving. So you guys are generous. God is good. We have it. He's blessed us. So let's just stay on track for what we're doing. Everybody excited? Good stuff. All right. We're beginning a new series today on the heart. 
And this is intentionally designed to help us have a better year. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that. And you're going to say, wait a minute, how can we just talk about one topic and say it's going to help us have a better year? Because when you work on your heart, you become a better you. And when your heart gets more in line with what God's heart is for you in your life, then you will have a better year. Matter of fact, you're going to have a better life. Everything is going to be completely different. So just to make sure we're on the same page with terminology, this is important, right? If we're going to talk about the heart for five weeks, we need to make sure we know what we're talking about. We're not talking about that cute picture on the screen. You know how every February 14th, everybody's drawing these little things, and, and if you really like somebody's text, you put a little heart beside it and send it back to them, you know, those kind of things. We're, we're not talking about little heart-shaped hearts. We're also not talking about the organ inside of you that may not be in very good shape if you like cheeseburgers with bacon, you know. We're not talking about that thing that pumps blood. Uh, no, we're talking when we look in the Bible and it uses the word heart, it is referring to more than that. Matter of fact, it's even referring to more than just your feelings. A lot of times we think about the heart and we just think it's our feelings and we separate the rest of us. Well, actually, a better word for us to understand as we're doing this series is the word soul. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. It is what we think, it's what we feel, and it's what we want. And the majority of the time when the Bible is talking about our heart, it's putting all of that together. It's talking about what we want, what we think, and what we feel, and how all of that is one thing. Let me give you some hope for your life here. I want to do some what ifs. Is that okay? What if... What if we could be more aware of what drives our thoughts and our feelings and our desires? What if we could understand why we do the things we do and why we respond to everything in our lives, both the good and the bad? What if we could get a new filter for how we see everything and everyone? What if we could get a new framework for what determines every action and every attitude we have. What if we could change all of that? Anybody with me? I mean, what if? We can. That's the good news. We can. Because although our heart is what rules us, we can change what rules our heart. That's the reason we're doing this series. Our heart rules us. It's the most important thing to us. But even though our heart rules us, we can change what rules it. If you've been around Grace Life any period of time, you have heard some sad or funny, uh, hilarious, and then sometimes just like horrible stories about my marriage with my wife. We, we, just, we just had those over the years. And for those of you who are new to Grace Life, my wife and I are from different worlds, literally. She's from Eastern Europe. I'm from the South. And uh, we were also both very wounded people. Young kids get to marry. And, and you think as long as you love Jesus, everything's going to be good. But don't raise your hand if you think all you need is Jesus. That doesn't always work out very well sometimes. And so very early on in our marriage, about 20 years ago, I was sitting down with one of our pastors as we were whining and complaining about our marriage and each other and everything. And, and he was doing what pastors uh, normally do. Sorry, no offense. I hope I don't do this. But he was giving me a lot of trite statements that he just says every marriage counseling appointment. Well, you just need to, you know, go home on time from work. Don't linger at work. Go home. Show your wife that she's valuable. You know, go home and say nice things. Tell her you appreciate her cooking. Tell her her cooking is good. You know, all those kinds of things. Just like... Like there's some magic formula to a perfect marriage with just like, you know, compliment the chicken and everything's going to be good. It is not that easy, just so you know. But, but as he's talking and he's trying to give me all of these little formulas for how to fix it, I said, wait a minute, you've missed the point. I don't want to do that. 
I don't want to work on my marriage. Y'all don't have to like amen with me, any of you that's ever been there. I don't think we even like each other. I think we're beyond that. We're trying to figure out how to take the other one out or something like that, you know? I was being funny, but he was very serious when he looked back at me and just said, then you need to ask God to change your heart. That was the first time I ever had the realization, wait a minute, you mean what I think and what I feel and what I want is not the final authority? Exactly. Some of you can go to lunch now. Because in all seriousness, that's all you need to know. Some of you just had the light bulb moment that I had 20 years ago. What we think and what we feel and what we want is not the final authority. It is not what determines the next step. Matter of fact, most often when we follow and take the next step based on what we currently think and feel and want, we usually end up taking a step of regret. And anybody who's like over the age of three in here knows what I'm talking about, right? I mean, you've got the life story to prove it. So here's the thing. We can change and we do need to change. Matter of fact, we need to guard what's going on in our heart and our thought and our feeling, which leads me to this. We're going to have a theme verse for this series. We don't do this if you're a guest at Grace Life. We don't always have a theme verse. Matter of fact, we almost never have a theme verse, but this series has a theme verse because it needs it. At the end of the five weeks, if all you remember is this one verse and it impacts you, then it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. And we're going to do this verse every week over and over. I'm going to say it over and over. I'm going to do my best to make this like some little earworm that gets stuck in your head and you can't get away from it, right? And so here's the thing. This is more important than anything else. You want me to prove it? The Bible says this, above all else, above everything, there is nothing that you need to be more concerned about above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart, for from it flows everything you do. Did I say that right? I've memorized a different verse in my head, so I'm trying to make sure I say the one that's on the screen. For everything you do flows from it. Everybody, will you say this with me? Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. We're going to say this every week. Let's do it one more time just because it's week number one. Say it with me. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Every word you say comes out of your heart. Everything you physically act upon comes out of your heart. Every attitude you have comes out of your heart. Every response to every situation comes out of your heart. Everything is based out of what's going on in your heart. That's why above all else we have to guard our heart. Over these five weeks, we're going to talk about different aspects of our heart. We're going to start today with a, a good one. It's called the pure heart. We want to have a pure heart. We figured, why not start the series with the goal of anybody who's a follower of Jesus? Anybody who's a follower of Jesus should want to have a pure heart. This is the goal that we have. And there's a story in the Bible that is so important for us. Because when we talk about having a pure heart, we have to answer the question, what makes our hearts not pure, Right? And there's a word that the Bible uses most often, and matter of fact, almost every single time when it talks about what makes our heart not pure, it uses an ugly word. It's the word defiled. I mean, come on, that's an ugly word even in English, isn't it? Just the sound, defiled. You are defiled. Your hearts are defiled. You're whatever. I mean, come on, anybody, it just sounds bad. And then it doesn't even make us feel good when we know what it means. You know, you are a defiled person. I mean, it just, it's just ugly. 
But we need to answer the question anyway. What defiles our hearts? And so as I was saying, there's this story in the Bible that is so good here because at one point, Jesus was accused of defiling himself. And you know how? Because he ate lunch without washing his hands. True story. The religious people around him had all of these rules. For if you keep your hands clean, then you don't defile yourself because the food is clean. And if you only eat clean food and then you pick up clean food with a clean hand and you put it in you, you will be clean. They had this formula that everything inside of you was a result of everything that was outside of you. And Jesus came to say, look, you got that backwards. I learned that this was backwards when I was a Boy Scout. When I was 11 years old, I remember the first time that I discovered that dirt is good. If anybody's ever been in Boy Scouts or been camping, you know what I'm talking about. You're cooking a hot dog on a stick over the fire, and then it falls on the ground. And your scoutmaster says, it's all right, pick it up and brush it off. God made dirt. Dirt's good. Come on, anybody knows what I'm talking about? And when you go backpacking and you have to carry every ounce of water with you for three days, the last thing you're going to do is pour it on your hands. Matter of fact, somebody, I want you to raise your hand with me. How many of you, when backpacking, in order to eat, you reach down, you grab more dirt, and now you're ready to eat? Come on, there you go. You know what I'm talking about? Dirt's good. It's from God. God made dirt. Germs bad. Dirt good, all right? And so Jesus, he walks up and he just starts eating without washing his hands the way that they think he should. And they say, how dare you defile yourself? And he said, thank you for the teachable moment. You've got your Bibles. Our main passage today is in Matthew chapter 15. It's not, if not, it's on the screen right behind my head. It says, he called the people to him and said to them, hear and understand. This is important because they've got it wrong. They think that what goes through your hands is the problem, and it's not. He says, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. I skipped to verse 18. And now verse 19. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. Out of the heart come murder. Out of the heart come adultery. Out of the heart comes sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. These are what defile a person. I think we should pay attention to the number of times that Jesus said, this is what defiles a person. In that short passage alone, he said it like, what, four times? This is what defiles a person. It's not what's out there. It's what's actually already in there. It's what you think. It's what you feel. It's what you want. This is the problem. You see, for the the religious people around Jesus, they were trying to say, you know what the problem is with what you're doing? And Jesus said, no, no, no. The problem is not with what I do. It's what I think and feel and want. And you need to stop and think about what you think and feel and want. Because they had this idea that it didn't matter what you thought and what you felt and what you wanted as long as you followed the right rules and you did all of the external stuff, you were a good person. But Jesus said, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. Matter of fact, in his most famous teaching, he touched on these same topics like murder. He just said murder. He's in his most famous teaching called the Sermon on the Mount. He said, look, you may not have blood on your hands. You may have never picked up a knife. You may have never stabbed someone in your heart, their heart. But if you hate them in your heart, you've already committed murder. You may have never touched anyone other than your spouse, but if you've looked at someone else with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. You see, here's the problem 
We get religious, just like those religious people. And we think that there is a massive distance between what we do and what we think and feel and want. And God says, you know what? The distance between what you actually do and what you think and what you feel and what you want is actually not very far. And you need to deal with what you think and feel and want. Because that is, of course, what drives what you do. See, for these religious leaders, they had this, this idea. It's okay to look as long as I don't touch. It's okay to want it really bad as long as I don't buy. It's okay to feel as long as I don't act upon those feelings. That, that was where they were. And Jesus said, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. Now, look, right now, you're all, like, scared. So I, I get it. This is, like, a, a tough topic. So I, I'm going to make it, like, Normal. I'm gonna, let's, let's move away from murder and adultery for a minute and, and go with something a lot simpler for everybody in the room to grasp. You see, you can get it into your head. There, there's something you'll never do, and therefore it is okay to think and feel and want as long as you want. Okay, I'm going to give you the example. Uh, my, my dad was a contractor as one of his jobs. So I grew up around houses. I do house stuff. My wife and I used to renovate houses and sell them and make money. We would, we would buy a house and do a lot of the work ourselves just so it was ours, you know, that kind of thing. So we're house people, right? And when we moved into our current house, we knew that we didn't like the kitchen. Like the first time we walked in, we went, ugh. Anybody's ever done All right. And we just said, man, look at who would have ever picked out linoleum with like blue spots? That, I hope no one ever did that. Sorry to offend you. But like that doesn't make sense, especially not with anything else in the house. And who would have picked those countertops? And, and who would call that an island? The island is about the size of this table right here. It's just like it's mounted in the middle of the kitchen floor. Like that's not an island. I mean, it's like a rock. Like, it's barely there, you know? And so we're so upset with the kitchen. But you know what? It's a great house, great location. We'll be able to renovate the kitchen later. So we move in, and we start getting a little irritated with the kitchen. We want to do something about it. And so the thought goes through our head. We could take out a second mortgage. We've got a lot of equity in the house. We could refinance the house. Matter of fact, at one point we did because we wanted to get a shorter mortgage. We were refinancing to a 15-year. And we said, what if while we're shortening the mortgage span, we just add a little bit, and we can renovate the kitchen? But if you've been around Grace Life, you know I, I preach on getting out of debt and not increasing debt, right? And so we decided we would not do more debt. We said, we're, we're not going to go there. We're going to just ask God to give us the money to renovate our kitchen. And when he does, then we'll do it. We're not going to increase our debt to get here. And we thought because we weren't going to do, we were good. So we just dreamed. And, and so I've got the Howls app, double Z, H-O-U-Z-Z. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Hey, guys, if you need any help, this is Pinterest for men. House, there you go. And, and so I had the house app, and I'm looking at this app, and I'm picking out kitchen pictures and cabinet pictures, and I'm saving it. And I'm like, oh, this will be nice, you know. And it all starts good. I'm thinking good things, and I'm feeling good things. And, and then I start talking to God about, God, man, I'm really looking forward to when you bless us and you provide us so we can do this. And, and then time just goes on. Every night when you're bored, you know, somebody else plays Candy Crush, I would look through the house app. I mean, anytime I'm just looking at pictures, and I'm saving pictures, and I've got this old dream house, and I'm constantly asking God, God, when 
you going to bless us? When are you going to do this? In the morning when I'm doing my devotions, I'm asking God to bless my kids and to provide for us. And then you start asking to provide for your new kitchen and all this sort of stuff. And, and then it's not long before you start finding yourself saying, God, why aren't you providing for my new kitchen? God, why aren't you answering my prayers? God, why aren't you blessing us? And, and then you eventually get to a point where you're like, God, I don't understand why you just don't even see what I'm going through and why you don't do good things and, and why you're withholding goodness from me. Wait a minute. I thought I had a house. I thought I didn't live under a bridge. I thought I had four great kids. I thought I had a life. I thought I lived in America. I thought I'd take vacations to the Caribbean. Did I just say, God, you're not being good to me? Oh, but wait a minute. I didn't go into debt. Come on, right? I didn't do. See, it's so easy for what we think and feel and want to get us to a place where our hearts are defiled. Just because of my linoleum with blue stars and a hole in it, I was telling God he wasn't good. It's very, very easy for us to not deal with our hearts. We only deal with our actions. See, we think what's in our heart is just our little secret. It's okay that I can't stand that person and wish they were dead, as long as I don't kill them. Jesus says, actually, start with what's in your heart. Here's a question. Do you really know what's in your heart? Do you want to know what's in your heart? Probably not. David, one of the great kings of, of all of God's people, probably the most famous, I think most of us would, would arguably say he was the best of all the kings. He actually wrote most of the, the Psalms in your Bible. And in one of the Psalms, he wrote this. He said, search me, God, and know my heart. See if there is any impure thing in me. Are you kidding me? Did he just dare God to look at his heart and see if he could find something impure? Raise your hand if you have the guts to do what David did. I would be scared to do that. Because what I do know is my heart is not good. I'm in touch with the reality that I am a broken human. So what are we going to do if we need a pure heart? And we know, I don't have the guts to say what David would say, but at the same time, it's so important that we do something about our hearts because another thing that Jesus said in that famous sermon on the mount, he said, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And of course, one of the things that he's talking about is that ultimately we will leave this earth and we will go to heaven and we will see God. But he's not just talking about hold your breath for the future. He's talking about right now. Blessed are the pure in heart for they're going to see God. Blessed are the pure in heart for they're going to have a different perspective on who he is. Blessed are the pure in heart for they're going to have a, a clear understanding of God's actual nature. Blessed are the pure in heart for they're going to experience something from God that everybody else is not. Because it's our impure hearts that cause us to not see God for who he is. It's our impure hearts that cause us not to see that God is actually being good. And it's our impure hearts that cause us not to experience his presence. Now at this point, most of you are in a place we don't need to be. Most of you are in a place that is not my goal for today. Right now, most of us are getting in touch with our hearts. See, as I've been speaking, the Holy Spirit's been highlighting something to you probably not the first time you've heard it. It, it it's an attitude towards a certain person it's a certain habit on the internet it, it, it's it's whatever 
It's something that God's actually, he's brought up before and you've just kind of brushed it off. And all throughout this message, this thing's been coming to mind. And I would venture to say that almost every person in this room is feeling pretty bad and feeling guilt and feeling shame. And and that is not the goal today. That is not the point of the message. It doesn't help us. I need you to hear this. It doesn't help us. That's where the enemy wants you to be. The enemy wants you to think that you are a horrible person and God hates you for it. And God judges you for it. And your heart is so impure, you will never see God. You should just go and hide. That's what the enemy would love to tell you. But that is not our goal today. That is not what we're here to do. No matter of fact, we're actually here to get hope. And we're here to realize that our hearts don't have to stay where they are. The enemy wants you to stay in that frame of mind. God says, no, 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 no. Let me show you this out of James 4. It says, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. How, God? I mean, what do you mean? I don't have a ladder. It doesn't reach to heaven anyway. Humans tried that once. It didn't go well. How do we draw near to you? And he goes on to say two things. Cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. Cleanse your hands and purify your Cleanse your hands. That means, yeah, if you want to get closer to God, Sometimes you are going to have to stop some things. You're going to have to stop stopping by your secretary's desk because she laughs at your jokes and your spouse doesn't, right? You're going to have to stop doing certain things on the internet. You're going to have to to change some things and and cleanse your hands. But really, all of that will ultimately follow anyway if you just start with the heart. You purify your heart. See, one of the things that that is telling us is that it is our responsibility. Yes, God initiates that in your life. God, We're going to talk about this later in the series. God comes into your life and he begins a healing work and a restorative work in your heart. But it is our responsibility to continue that, to wake up every day and say, God, do something in me. Do something in my heart. Purify my heart. I want you to think about just some practical examples of the things we do and why we do them. I mean, we've got all kinds of that. We spend our lives filled with doing things for reasons. Like every day, most of us tomorrow are going to get up and go to work. Why? Because we want money for living. I mean, it's kind of hard to live. Most of us did not inherit $20 million when we were born. So, you know, if we want to do things like eat and have vacations and wear clothes, we need to go to work. So we, we go to work so we have money for living. You go to the dentist because you have a toothache that you don't want to keep. You go to a mechanic because your car is broken. You go to a grocery store because you would like to eat dinner tomorrow night. You need food. So here's the question. What do you do to pursue a pure heart? What do you do to pursue a pure heart? Can I be honest? I don't think I do anything very much. I bet I'm not alone. Because I don't think that's a question we ask very often. I don't think very often we look ourselves in the mirror and say, what will I do today to get a cleaner heart? You don't have to raise your hands definitely for this one. I'll just be the one. Can I be the one for all of us? It's just not a question we ask enough. So here's what I want to offer. I have an idea based on the Bible. Fairly good idea. I didn't come up with it. Instead of you right now walking out the door, which would not be good, and saying, man, I've got a bad heart. Let me try really hard to make it good. That, by the way, is a perfect recipe for failure and condemnation and never getting where you want. The best thing to do is to recognize, yeah, all our hearts have issues. 
all our hearts are impure. We don't need to try really hard. We need to go to the one who changes them. It's very simple. So instead of you walking out the door today thinking, what can I do to have a better heart? I'm just going to show you what God says he'll do. It's actually a scripture in Hebrew. It's not going to put it on the screen. It says that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And many people have memorized that much of the verse, and they stop right there. And we always talk about the Word of God, man. Just read the Word of God. It's living. It's active. You will see something today you didn't see yesterday. You will see something one time you read the passage you didn't see before because it's alive. That's great. Great message. But you know how that verse ends? It started with the Word of God is living and active and ends with discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. We'll just open the Word. First Sunday of the year, what a better time to preach this. I mean, it's like I planned this and I didn't. Start a Bible reading guide and just every day, open your Bible as many days as you can. I mean, imagine if you came close to 365 days in a year, where would your heart be if every day you just began to read the word and realized, oh my gosh, I didn't know that was in my heart. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that's why I wanted that. I thought I I I had a good motive. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I thought it was a good idea to want that. I didn't realize that was a bad thing to want. If we will just begin to open it, but here's the thing. I'm going to throw one caveat in there. Can I do that? It also comes out of the Bible. What if every day that you read the Bible, allowing the Bible to discern the thoughts and intentions of your heart, what if you began with an invitation? So this is my challenge to us as Grace Life. Matter of fact, I'm going to go as far as not only to challenge you, I'm going to dare you. How many of you get into dares? Come on double dog dare more hands anybody with me you go double dog dare the same david who said search me and know my heart he also had a prayer you know why i think he had the guts to say that because of what else he said create in me oh god clean heart create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit in me See, a steadfast spirit means I I don't want to be swayed by what I feel. No, I want to stand strong when my feelings are wrong. I want to be steadfast against my emotions that would mislead me from you. I I don't want to be swayed by thoughts that are not of you. No, give me a steadfast spirit that comes out of my clean heart. That when my thoughts are contrary to your thoughts, I don't go there. Renew a steadfast spirit in me. Create a pure heart in me. Just imagine if you spent the next year of your life, as many days as possible, you sit down, you get ready to open this. I don't care if you read one verse or you read the whole, it doesn't matter. Don't let the enemy get there. If you do a Bible reading guide and you don't get through all of it, it doesn't matter. You just let it touch your heart. And you just sit down and before you read one word, you say, God, Created me a pure heart. And then you begin to read. I firmly believe his word will do what it promises. I firmly believe if we begin every day this year with an invitation and simply put our hearts in front of him, you're not going to need to walk out the door trying really hard to have a good heart. Humanity has been doing that for thousands of years and it has never worked. So don't go there because that is not what I preach today. Don't hear that. What I've said today is welcome to humanity. Our hearts are not perfect. But God will change it. 
God will change them if we just invite Him to do it. So I want to close by talking to those of you that have actually never invited God to be a part of your heart at all. You know, if you grew up going to church, and I did, we used to say a phrase. And as I got a little older, I hated the phrase. And honestly, I still do, where people say, invite Jesus into your heart. And, and I always just, I'm sorry, I don't mean to offend anybody, but it's like, big man, yeah, no, that doesn't work. But you know, actually, it does make sense. Invite Jesus into what you think. Invite Jesus into what you feel. Invite Jesus into what you want. We call that making him our king. Making him our Lord and Savior. Recognizing he died for us and now we want to live for him. But it's not just so we can go to heaven. It is literally taking our hearts and laying them bare. My thoughts, my feelings, my desires, they belong to you, God. Change anything you want. If you have never surrendered your life to God, if you have never invited God to take ownership of your heart because, well, you've had ownership. I want to help you do that this morning. I'm not going to make you stand up or come down front. If you would, just right where you're seated, I'm going to help you have a conversation with him. Would you all join me? Pray something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me enough to die for me. pray that you will give me a clean heart. I thank you for your love, your mercy, and your forgiveness. And my simple prayer today is that you will give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.com.